Hey, this is Jagger Haynes. You're listening to Friars on the Farm podcast. Welcome to episode 203 of Friars on the Farm. And it's not exactly talk Roy off the ledge, but it is certainly going to be uh, maybe a come to Jesus uh, major league minute here. But first, dude, the, the song that just started was Digi Assassin, a local artist. He had the Padre Gang song. Uh, pretty sick. You guys can find him on Spotify, Apple, and YouTube, all streaming services. Um, I checked out a couple other tunes. Uh, it's not my style of music, but it was fucking really well done really professional so the guy is a verified artist on spotify uh check him out and that's a it's kind of a cool cool little song and i think he even had it on ben and woods and with that i'm a ring and roy dude dude i'm not doing okay i'm not doing all right over here i'm struggling I, well you know what i do when i struggle i just don't watch the game like my i the last two nights have been so pleasant yes i'm checking the score yes i'm you know, I saw all the hubba about last night and my heartbeat didn't get over a tick because I didn't watch it. And I said, oh, that's just, you know. Um, and so I, I, let me tell you what I do. What I do when the Padres eventually start crapping the bed, except for last year, literally last year, um, we have a breakup team. Me and Lydia over here, we have a breakup team. So usually it's um, usually it's not this early in the season where I feel like the season's a wash. And certainly it's not a wash, but we have a breakup team. So we'll kind of pay attention to the Padres and we'll watch games as we feel. Uh, But we'll get another team, uh, not in our division, but some other team that we like. And we'll start following those guys. One year it was the the Pittsburgh Pirates when Kutch and those guys made a nice run and and Musgroves were still with them. Um, This year I think it's going to be the Tampa Bay Devil Race. And we're even looking at the Reds. Got the Reds, man. They've got they're a lot of fun. They are. Ellie De La Cruz is going off. He he reminds me of Tatis on an athleticism level. Yeah. I mean, the speed, the power, and just kind of the 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 awareness. But I the problem I have with that, most years in the past, that's fine. You get to a certain amount, and it's like, you know what? We knew this team was gonna turn into a pumpkin. This was supposed to be the year, and it's still May. I mean, there's still time for them to turn it around. I mean, this before the season started, we were talking about how much balance the roster has and how much star power and and like top to bottom and the depth that the team has. And so many things have fallen flat. And so then, you know, watching the last two days now, granted, today they they've got this thing where they play a couple of bad games and then they play a really good game and they kind of rope you back in. But I mean, seeing stuff go down and then these guys play like they really don't have a whole lot of fight in them. Um, you Last year, they were really good at, at close games and extra yeah. innings. This year, it's like if it's a close game, I, I, I'm not, I feel uneasy. And right. if if you know what's going into extras, it's like don't even have a chance. And it's uh, something's, we've been saying this all year, something's got to change. Well, now I, you know, I can't help but read things on Twitter and see stuff yeah. and see skip schumacher going on somebody's on dan lebitard's show saying stuff and then and then somebody on twitter has this long expose thread of stuff that is very believable and lines up with things that we've heard in the past from media and all this and it's just like yeah i i I don't know i have i have a heart so i can't just walk away because right. this team is supposed to be too good. I can't, this isn't like Carlos Asuaje trusting him. Oh, he's going to be our second baseman of the future. Kevin no. <laughs> no, because now I'm looking at, okay, Manny and Xander both are looking pretty whack this year. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, yeah, Manny had a bomb today. Great. Good for him. But we hear about the wrist issues with Bogarts and Manny. I think he's playing through something. Both these guys are signed for 10 years. It's going to take them all the way through their thirties. And in the past, it's like, they're not supposed to be good. They're, they're bad because they're not paying, they're not spending money. Right. And right. these guys are going to be long gone by the time they're too old for us to worry about, you know, aging curves. That's no longer the case. Now you've got Bogarts and Manny and also Cronenworth signed for contracts that are going to take them well into their, their declining years. If you look at the aging curves, 
And it's uh, just I'm ha- I'm having a hard time right now. It's like the, all these moves were done so that they can win now. Yeah, they yeah. can win like this year, the next couple of years. And if that doesn't happen, like I fully believe, if they don't make, if they somehow miss the playoffs, they got a good chance of it. Preller's gone. I don't know how you keep Preller in, in in as GM if this team misses the playoffs after spending all this money, hiring all these coaches, hiring, putting all these people in place, and still there's this level of of lack of performance that people there the rumblings are pointing to mismanagement and that that kind of thing. Yeah, well, I didn't read none of that stuff on Twitter, and it doesn't really matter to me. Uh, what what I see is a top heavy lineup with um with your four superstars there, your three superstars, sorry. Um, and the bottom the bottom half of the lineup, and I said this every pot every episode is like the bottom half of the lineup is 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 a, a sub two hundred hitting for average, no on base. Like Grish is no longer getting those calls. He's not walking as much. He's not hitting for average. Neither is Crone. And Kim is a glove first, you know, glove first player. So none of those guys are ever going to hit over two sixty. So if you have the top of the lineup, you know hitting for average, hitting for power. Sure, they're going to run into a few more two-run, three-run homers on occasion. Sure, there's going to be a couple, maybe a hand, you know, handful more wins, you know, where we're somewhere towards 500 consistently. But when the that top echelon of the lineup does not, I'm sorry, four with Soto, um, does not perform, that bottom half of the lineup just looks incomplete. It's like you have this great first half, and then the second half is is horrible. And but hitting- I, I I can't agree with you there because Cronenworth yeah. Cronenworth is a two time All Star and it's not just it's not a mirage he's been a better than average hitter the last three years and then this year he's ten I've got his numbers up he's, his OPS plus is ten percent below league average uh, but he batted two sixty six in two thousand twenty one a full season um, and he's always gotten on base he it's just it's just not there and then the same with Trent. I mean, he's been a baffling person for a while now. Yeah. Uh, but when he came over, I mean, he's he's never going to hit for high average, but he gets on base a ton. He hits for power. Now he's not getting on base as much. Now he's striking out a power. lot. Yeah. And it's like, how can so many players that have been good hitters there for most of their career all of a sudden collapse altogether? all at once. The only guys that are hitting halfway deep that are hitting well are Tatis and Soto and everybody else has just fallen flat. And I, I I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Get a breakup team. (laughs) I can't. The other part of that is we've got season tickets. We've got, we've got whatever, 20 more games to go to. So, I mean, I, I guess we could just sell them, but I can't do that. The fan in me won't allow that to happen. So until they're eliminated, I got to keep riding with them. But man, are they making it tough? Yeah, they do make it tough. And like I said, as a as highly passionate person as I am, I I can't yell at the TV anymore. I can't argue and bicker with Liddy because they're losing. And um, I, we that happens in our household when they lose, we bicker like we can't even decide to make toast uh, when the Padres <laughs> are losing. Um, you know, and the rest of our night screwed up, and it's it's, it's bleeding out into other parts of my world. But- well, until this year, we had until last year at least, we had the easy excuse of there's a inexperienced manager. Right. Okay, so you got Andy Green, you got Jace Tingler. Oh, let's nitpick every single little decision they make. Well, now you got Bob Melvin, who has been candidate for manager of the year many years, and it's not just him. You got you got Matt Williams right there. You got Mike yeah. Schilt right there on the staff. So there's plenty of experience. So the last couple of days, yeah, we can we can befuddle ourselves trying to rip apart the the pitching decisions but then you look at the guys that they've got to pick from okay you used up your best three four guys and now you got to ride the rest of the bullpen which is right now it's looking like a bunch of mop-up guys yeah before the season we were looking at them not like they were going to be mop-up guys Luis Garcia is supposed to be a really good reliever yeah. uh Brent Honeywell is a talented guy and he's done a pretty darn good job uh, but in high leverage situations he's he's wilted out there his stuff is not as good and not as strong. Uh, he doesn't throw as hard as he should, you know, as, as that high high leverage reliever should. And he's prone to throwing the ball on the zone. And when they throw it in the zone at high leverage situations, 
you lose ball games. It's going to get hit for sure. And then I guess a bit of it for me was the gut punch yesterday of Nabil Chrismat being designated for assignment. Now, the rational person in me understands that he's a fringe guy. He's his stuff doesn't play up. He doesn't have the velocity. He gets by with guile and movement and a little bit of deception and probably a little bit of luck that he's had the last couple of years. And but, those shiny white teeth, dude. Those right, but he's teeth. one of the most likable people you'll ever meet. And yeah. since we sit up in the bullpen, we get to watch him up close. And he's engaging with everybody. He loves giving out bubble gum to the kids. And he's always smiling and joking with everybody. And just what a gregarious, happy, grateful, humble person. I love seeing him do well. And I feel like having getting DFA'd at this moment was like getting the rug ripped out from under him. He just came back from this injury. He had one appearance. He's thinking, okay, give me a couple more shots and I'm going to get my legs under me and I'm going to be, I'm going to be part of this team the second half and no, go pack your bags. And he was still packing his locker when the media came in. I mean, imagine how that must feel. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's tough. It's tough, but you know, we'll see how the rest of the season pulls out. And I, you know, I tweeted on Twitter and we can move on after this is I like, Faith without works is dead. So faith in the team that, you know, the faith, the love of the team I have uh, is not equal to the love I have, or, or, you know, just like, I can't do it until they get over 500. I'm not going to engage back with this team until they get a couple games over 500. Um, Cause if not, they're just, you're going to see a loss, loss, win, 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 loss, loss, loss. You're just not going to see consistency. And that's right. what we don't have in this team. And all the other drama, all the other crap, I can just, because I'm already saying that stuff in my head, I'm just not putting it on Twitter as often. (laughs) Right. Well, you mentioned the Reds, and they just won, what, 10 straight? Now, the Giants, they just uh, just capped off a 10-game winning streak. So, I mean, who's to say the Padres can't do that? And we've Mm -hmm. seen where a trade happens, and all of a sudden, some vibe changes, and a team gets hot. And and goes off. And so, you know, the this trade deadline's a ways away. We're not even at the halfway point yet, but man, it's just it's hard to stick with it day after day after day and watch frustrating play out on the field. And then every three or four days, oh hey, there's the offense that we thought that we thought was in there. And oh hey, look, Luis Garcia, he got three outs on 10 pitches and eight of them were strikes or whatever he did today. And all right, we're here to talk about minor league baseball. Hell what am yeah. I doing wasting all of my breath on the minor league minute? You wasted all your breath on the major league. We we pulled you back from the edge at the major league minute or five. You, you did. Thank you all for right. pulling me back from the ledge, my friend. <laughs> well, so so on the tangent of going off the handle, um, I just happened to jump on Twitter a little bit ago. There were some bench clearing brawls going on out in Fort Wayne just now. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, Man. you'll have to pull it up. So Ryan Bergert's pitching, and all I, I don't know what led up to this, but it's uh, strike three, and somebody thought it was a foul ball. The catcher said something, and next thing you know, benches are clearing, and then there's a pitch inside, and benches are clearing again. So I, I'm going to have to get the full-on recap. Maybe we can maybe we can get John Boy into doing some rip lead, uh, lip reading on this thing. <laughs> well, well, um, yeah, yeah. Jackson Merrill's family's there. So maybe I'll, maybe after the game, I'll, I'll shoot a text out to them and say, Hey, where'd you guys start? I'm Are sure Jackson <laughs> got some gosh darns in there and, and stuff. <laughs> it's all and, pushing and shoving. I don't see any, any swinging going on, but it's, you know, lots of talking and pushing and shoving and getting in faces. All right. Well, let's move on to the MILB news. So speaking of full swing, uh, the ACL is in full swing. Um, I didn't put any on the, like it was a long time coming to get this episode out. Last week you were busy. Um, this week I had issues with my computer and I got a new computer and had issues with that. So it is now a Thursday. You're going to get this on Friday. Next week I should have plenty of ACL action on the agenda. Um, the big thing kind of in the complex news is that Dylan Lesko has began rehabbing. Yes, and yes. Jerry, you know, Jerry Espinoza, the, the the minor league, you know, the major league photographer, and David Jay from Mad Fires was out there last week. So he faced on Tuesday, he faced four batters, two hits, one base on balls. He had a K. The strikeout was against the White Sox number one prospect, Colson Montgomery. Lesko was three and zero and came back uh to K Montgomery. One hit was a bloop over first base, and the second a solid double to the left. 
So is- earlier last week, Jerry Espinosa tweeted out that San Diego Padres Dylan es- Lesko is facing live hitters today. He sat 94 to 95 with a dirty, it says CU curveball. I think that's supposed to be a changeup at 80 to 82. Yeah. Um, 35 pitches against Campbell, Camus, and Rojas. Came out for two air quotes innings because it was a simulated game, I guess. Uh, he's getting close and looked fantastic. I, I thought I read that as changeup when I saw that. And I took a look. So that right there, you're talking like 12 to 15 miles, 12 to 13 miles an hour differential between the fastball and the off speed. And I was taking a look at at uh, fan graphs because they have all the tabulated data for, for velocities. And there's only a handful of starting pitchers in the majors that have that much separation between their fastball and an off speed pitch, particularly a changeup. So, I mean, that just gives me a little bit of a glimpse as to why people were so high on him in high school. Yeah. I'm he's a Gatorade player of the year as a junior and used to be considered a first round draft lock without throwing a pitch as a senior was pretty nuts, but now we're starting to see why. Absolutely. And and that's, you know, we want to see that. I don't care about the results. I just want to know that he's doing well and uh, he's starting to throw. And if he gets out to Lake Elsinore by the end of the season, I don't know. It's, you know, there's still lots of minor league season left. So we'll see if that works out. But just great to hear him on a mound, see him on a mound, get people that have get eyes on him and start that journey, man, because it's um, it's it's just great to hear. For sure. Now, so about the ACL coverage. So the other affiliate leagues, so Mad Friars does a fantastic job of covering things, yeah. as we say every week. Uh, they go off of not just box scores, but every team has some form of a wrap up after the game. So there's always a little bit more to fill in. Plus, you've got TV coverage. Um, to fill in the the gaps in the box score. With the ACL, usually all they have to go by is the box score. There's usually not really a whole lot of media there. So in this case, we got Jerry Espinosa out there. Mad Friars was kind enough to send David Jay out to to get a little uh, boots on the ground. Uh, but for the most part, the ACL goes uncovered. Um, so they're just kind of looking between the lines on the the box score to try to fill out what's what happened in the game. Yeah, absolutely. With the information that they know or they've heard, uh, they do have, you know, they do have connections in the complex. So they may get a little bit here and there, but mostly it is just that. Like, this is why they drafted him. This is who we think he is. And this is who they think he is. And this is what he's supposed to do. So um, I'm looking forward to that. Get those names out there. Get you guys knowing some of these young, young, young kids just starting out. Uh, there's a couple there. Lamar King Jr. I think is a catcher that we, we signed uh, the last year. That was supposed to be a big name. Um, a couple of other guys that I can't remember off the top of my head. I had to rewrite the whole agenda because I had last week's information on here. Um, but let's move on. Dude, here is the here is here it is. Robbie Snelling now, due to the graduation of Cardinals, Jordan Walker, who is another kid I love. Um, since he graduated, Robbie Snelling now becomes the number one prospect in all of Major League Baseball. That's so, outstanding. About yeah. time. Now, last time we spoke, he entered the top 10 list of left-handed pitchers. Right. But to make it into the list of top 100, period, is a big deal. Absolutely. So it says here, um, both a quarterback and a linebacker in his football days, Snelling has the size and presence of both positions at, at listed 6'3", 210, 6'3", with 210 pounds. He can work the fastball around 93-95 and has a history of touching 97. His upper 70s curveball earns the best grades because of his quality feel for spin, and that will likely be his most whiff-heavy pitch in the pros. So maybe that CU was sort of been a, a CCB. Like many young pitchers, the southpaw rarely needed a changeup as an amateur so that could be a deciding pitch in the future. Uh, Snelling does right after batters with his two best pitches and projects to be at least an average strike thrower given his athletic background. The Padres have yet to use him in a minor in the minor league. This is older and an adjustment period for both quality of competition and a professional starter workload will be in order. So we can stop that right there because we know that he spent all of last season working on a changeup with the changeup with the curveball and with that fastball. He has now dominated the Cali League. Oh, yeah, he's making. He's making quick work of them. Him and Austin Krob have just been decimating the California League hitters. Yeah, and I've seen him a couple of times, and he's just he's he just pounds his own, gets strikes, and then throws the off-speed stuff, and they're just flailing around. But we'll get a little bit more into that. And he actually had a little bit of a blemish uh, coming up in the affiliate rundown. That happens. 
Yeah, it does. It's a development with you can't be good at everything all the time, or you never learn anything. That's right. <laughs> As my chef told me, once my chef was doing a sauce for me, he's like, "Yeah, I fucked it up. I'm sorry, man." He's like, "You can't. You won't learn anything if you keep making everything on accident correctly." <laughs> that's 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 good. That's good advice. Good life advice. Right. All right. So a sad, a sad note here. Uh, David Elmore has passed away, the founder of the Elmore Sports Group. He owns several minor league teams. Um, and most notably for us, he was the owner of the San Antonio Missions uh, that just sold as well as the Storm. Um, so Elmore Sports Group owns several minor league hockey teams as well, helped build the Maverick Center in Salt Lake City, a state of the art sports and entertainment area, which hosted the 2002 Winter Olympics. Okay, so thoughts and prayers to the Elmore family and all the people uh, with the uh, the Elmore Sports Group. Um, but we thought it was notable because he's done a lot of good things for minor league baseball in general. Uh, and there's a connection to the Padres with the missions that were recently sold as well as the storm. Yeah, what a bummer. All right, so, 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 But not a bummer. The Tin Caps welcomed their 5 millionth fan on Friday since the ballpark moved downtown in 2009. Now, it's still five million fans doesn't sound like a lot to a uh, uh, MLB fan because big yeah. league teams will draw like two plus million a year. But this is a minor league ballpark that maxes out at like 8000 people. Yeah. And I can tell you that the Fort Wayne packs that place week in and week out, you know, rain or shine. They're always filling that house. And so congratulations to them for fill- for welcoming their five millionth fan. Um, did, now, did you see any fanfare about this? Yeah, they had they had a ceremonial like they had the video on the guy and they had the family show up. It was you know they picked that guy out of the out of the uh, you know, out of the crowd and they have him. Did, did, did they have the confetti that popped out as soon as he walked through the turnstile? No, but they had they had um, they had Johnny Johnny Tin Cap there and uh, they got a bunch of swag, a bunch of stuff, an on field little presentation. Um, but dude, five million people for for a minor league ball ball club since two thousand nine. You're right, is amazing. It's an amazing. Right. And we're not talking about like San Antonio or Salt Lake City. That's a big metropolis. Right. Fort Wayne is a relatively small town as far as, as, you know, baseball goes. And that's a triple A ball field anyways. And you know that for sure. Well, I mean, it it has the accommodations of a triple A ballpark. It doesn't have quite the capacity. Um, But I mean, as far as the, the, the public spaces, the, the group spaces, all the cool little areas that they've got, it really is a, a gem. Okay, so before we get to the break, we do have some roster moves to talk about. Uh, Henry Henry has been transferred from San Antonio to Fort Wayne. He hasn't been doing a whole lot this year. I keep waiting for him to pop like he was starting to pop last year. Uh, Bobby Malaki, right-handed pitcher, has been transferred from Fort Wayne to San Antonio, so they kind of like ships passing in the night. Um, This So Preston Tucker's contract was selected by the Padres, and this was an interesting one. So they selected his contract, and then immediately – put him on the injured list due to plantar fasciitis, a 10 day injured list. But I learned afterwards that that move happened because he had an opt out coming up in his, in his, his contract. Um, And so we've seen Jose Iglesias opt out, I think three times now he also opted out this week, Um, but they did that to keep Preston Tucker around and he doesn't have any minor league options. So this tells me that once he's healthy, he's going to be coming up to the major league roster. Yeah. Um, now, I guess you could argue that the offense needs some help. They need something to change. And you look at the names, they should be able to perform, but something's not right. Preston Tucker's been killing it in AAA. Yeah. And he comes with his younger brother is Kyle Tucker with Houston. Right. Well, maybe it- we maybe we got the better Tucker after <laughs> all. Let's hope I all hope do. for it because Kyle Tucker's pretty darn good. And Preston, he has some major league experience. Uh, but who knows, you know, maybe, maybe he's just a, a late bloomer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then Angel Philippe got designated for assignment, uh, to make room for him and was claimed by the angels. And then obviously we just talked about Nabil Krismat designated for assignment. And this happens. And here's the thing. These, these things happen throughout the season. And as, as a fan base, we're so used to liking the guy. If he's nice and he does pretty good sometimes or most of a lot of times, we like him. We, you know, we still have that mentality of, oh, like the team's shitty. At least we like the guys that are playing, you know, like your, 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 uh, your Solartes and your, you know, your, your La Mole. Um, the mindset has got to be, thank you for your time. Glad that it happened. Not glad that you're gone, but glad that it happened. And we need to move on because we are now a championship, hopefully caliber team. 
Right. But I'm still, as a fan, I still yeah. have the the right to have a moment of silence to, you do? to spend a day in grieving <laughs> um, for somebody that, that I, I grew fond of. Yeah. So Angel was, Felipe, I was ahead. surprised that Angel Felipe got designated for assignment too. Um, but I guess not because you look at his numbers and they really don't stand out. Yeah. Uh, 2023, he's got a 6.2 ERA and a 1.78 whip. Um, but you know, being somebody that follows the box scores day to day, I would see his name showing up in the Mad Friars write-ups quite often as going out and having a dominant outing. Yeah. He's got electric stuff, all of this kind of thing. Uh, but I guess you don't show up in the Mad Friars daily write-up when you have a bad game. Yeah, yeah. It's much like our agenda, we I pick from the crop. I try to pick all the positive stuff, not try to too too many wins or losses. But most of the time, most of the wins do have a lot more information. Uh, Kevin Charity, I think there's a lot of that um, during the week. So I pick up a lot of his his dailies. But um, yeah, so goodbye to Bill. We're glad you're, um, we hope you get picked up and hope you don't come back and throw like a, you know, a, a crucial inning three, you know, three up, three down inning against us in some crucial game, which will probably oh, you know, you know, that's going to happen. He's going to yeah. get picked up by the the pirates or somebody. And, <laughs> and then they're going to go on a run or maybe the reds, maybe the reds will pick him up and he'll wind up facing the Padres in the wild card game and revenge time. Okay. Before we go to break, what do you think about the, well, Hosmer hasn't been picked up, but also Will Myers hasn't been picked up either. I think he has a few more days to go. He has 10 days, I think, but yeah, he was designated for assignment by the reds. He's got, I think it's a six and a half million dollar contract this year. Yeah. And it's not that he was doing bad. He got hurt, but he was doing okay with the Reds. I don't know. I mean, I look at the Padres roster and I see Matt Carpenter, who's been struggling. They got Brandon Dixon on the roster. Um, and you could kind of put those two guys together and Will Myers can do what they do combined. Maybe even throw Nelson Cruz in there. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I can't imagine... Will Myers depositing him on the upper deck of the, you know, up by the Jalisco Terrace like Cruz can, but maybe as far as a more consistent hitter, somebody who can play a little bit in the field, uh, first base, right field, left field as needed. Uh, but it is, it's, it's big money and yeah. the Padres are bumping up against the, the collective uh, competitive balance tax. Um, so unless there was some kind of a salary dump, kind of a move, like Drew Pomeranz is dead money right now. Yeah. He's making $10 million this year. He, he had yesterday. Kevin AC reported that he still hasn't started throwing. He's not going to pitch for the Padres this year. Yeah. It's just write all that off. So unless they agreed to swap contracts, like when the, what was that? The Braves and the Dodgers traded Adrian Hernandez, uh, Adrian Gonzalez for Matt Kemp. And then they both got released right after that. I guess maybe you do something like that just to get Pomerantz's money off the books and bring Will back. But I don't know. I feel like they're kind of burning the ships with this kind of a thing. They're, you know, the past is the past. They're trying to move on. And yeah, I don't we're know. Trying to get better. I, we're, we're the team is right. trying to get better and not, not go move forward, not going back. And yeah, it's just, God, we keep going back to the major league team and it's just, it's very frustrating. And it, but then I look been, at what Will did in the second half last year. He hit well in the second half. And yeah. he can hit when he's hitting well, he hits righties and lefties. Well, and there's, there's still a good player in there, but then you look at the guys that are struggling on the Padres and there's good players inside of them. It's just a matter of how do you, how do you get it out of them? Yeah. Let, let him be a good player for the Royals. How about right? That? There we go. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, Hey, let's take a break real quick and we'll come back and we'll finish up with the, the agenda. Taught how to say Padre gang. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Welcome back. Hey, first of all, we want to thank Mad Friars again, as usual. Thank you guys for allowing us to use this information. Um, you guys drop the coffee, pick up the subscription. Actually, my automatic deduction just came out of my bank. It was 40 bucks for the year. 40 bucks for the year. You get the you guys get the rundown for free, but you get all the extra added content, all the interviews, all the you know the the Q and A's, um, all the other insider information that they have that they have behind the paywall. And believe me, it, it for it's worth it. Even if we didn't have the podcast, I would still pay for it and and read just about every day like I do. And occasionally, I'll even I'll, I read it so much that I'm like is that sentence right? Like you know, like I'll quote the sentence and like, hey John, is this. I think they screwed up the word here. Um, I'll let them know. Um, but we want to thank those guys. And let's get on to the affiliate rundown. 
All right, so let's start off in Lake Elsinore. Uh, strike one on Thursday. Uh, on his 10th start of the season, Robbie Snelling gave up three earned runs. He had only one other start that he gave up more than one run, and that was May 12th. Snelling limited Stockton to one walk and struck out seven ports batters in five innings. The Southpaw from Reno, Nevada is now four and one with a 1.74 ERA and 55 strikeouts in 46 and two thirds innings in his first professional season. So giving up three earned runs in a game, that's, that's a bad day for Robbie Snelling. Right, that's it's a, a good bad. day for most guys in single A. <laughs> so Albert Fabian continues to be the tank commander in yes. Lake Elsinore hitting his team best 12th home run. The 21-year-old owns an 852 OPS in 210 at-bats and is on pace to shatter his career high of 16 home runs last year. He could earn a return trip to Fort Wayne sooner rather than later. Den Ortiz went two for four with a double, the first extra base hit of his professional career. The 24-year-old Ortiz signed after the draft last year, last year was a two-way star at Virginia, playing all over the infield as well as pitching. While he was a finalist for the John Olerud two-way player of the year after the 2022 collegiate season, he has not pitched in his pro career. John Olerud, that's a name I don't hear often enough. And I was a Mariners was fan for a little bit in the 2000s. I learned to appreciate John Olerud. And I mean, my goodness, the guy was the guy could hit. Yeah. And because he threw left-handed, the only position he could play was outfield or first base, which I think is kind of silly. But I mean, absolute lockdown defender at first base. One of the best hitters in baseball doesn't get enough appreciation appreciation. But anyway, Albert Fabian, the tank commander. Yeah. So that's my new, that, that's my new moniker for people. So in, in a store and like Elsinore, we have, we have Albert Fabian. He's the tank commander in Fort Wayne. You can, I'm going to read it here in a minute. It's Nathan Mortarella, but coming up right behind him is Jackson Merrill. So the tank commanders, cause they hit tanks. I love it. All right, so give us a little bit of context on what okay, so, Robbie Snelling's doing. So, so last week I, I was, you know, we keep seeing. I'm watching Robbie Snelling. I, I've seen just about every start, and I did the same thing with Mackenzie Gore. I saw every single minor league start, um, all the way through AAA, and you know, into several uh, starts in in his major league career. Um, I've kind of done the same thing with Snelling. I've seen him up close, and I wanted to go back and kind of put in the context and kind of have a comparison here with where one was uh, when they were where they were. So for in context here, Robbie Snelling, Mackenzie Gore had given up 19 earned runs and 35 in innings pitch and 10 snarts and 10 snarts and 10 starts in A-ball. That's in Fort Wayne. That's when the bats are cold. That's when... The pitchers probably have the most, um, you know, most going for them against hitters. Um, Robbie Snelling, on the other hand, has given up nine earned runs and 46 in the third innings. Now, I'm not necessarily comparing apples to oranges or oranges to apples, you know, but, but similar, the Cali League is a hitter-friendly league. Like, the Diamond is a big ballpark. Everyone hits in this league. So when you have nine earned runs and 49 or 46 innings, that's just over 10 starts. Like that's something to be proud of. And this kid is um, certainly something that we can dream on. So I, I saw Mackenzie Gore in person when he was in, in uh, Lake Elsinore. Yeah. And when he was pitching well, I haven't had a chance to catch Robbie Snelling in person. Uh, they're both lefties. They both strike out a lot of guys. How, how do you think the stuff and the, the command and just kind of the general feel, how do you think it compares? Well, to be honest, I mean, Dude, in Elsinore, McGore just would just dominate. He threw so damn hard, and he was just so on. Um, see, Snelling, you know, I see a lot of Mackenzie Gore in and Snelling, but he's just, you know, he's he he's not having any of the issues that McGore had. Gore had the had the blister, and then you know was kind of injured for a minute there, and just kind of would get beat up. I could give up six or seven runs. It's just not happening with him. Like the bulldog, that football player in, in Snelling uh, comes out when he gets a couple of guys on. And I've said that before, like he gets a couple of guys on, he bears down and attacks the zone and doesn't try to nitpick. And you go like, hit, here it is. Hit it. Here comes the curveball. Try that. You know? And it's just, it, it's dominating. Um, but we'll see as he moves up and gets into high A into double A, those guys aren't going to be, Swinging at that, you know, the curveball or change up in the dirt. Those are they're going to spit on that. They're going to piss on that. So we're going to see how he develops as he gets better 
in better competition. But dude, he is nailing it right now at 19. Nice. All right, so I'll take point. I'll take strike two as well since you were uh, filling in so much here. Uh, on strike two, last last Tuesday, it took 11 outings, but Austin Crobb received his first decision of 2023. Unfortunately for him in the storm, he took the loss. The 23-year-old pitched five innings and allowed three earned runs. Now, the reason it's hard for him to get the first decision is because you have to pitch five innings to be on the hook for the decision most of the time. Um, So, Crab retired the first two batters in the fourth inning before a two-out walk. After a Rancho double and a single, the Quakes had all the runs they would need. Crab walked two and struck out five. The outing raised his ERA to 2.34. Griffin Dorshing connected his fifth homer of the season. The 24-year-old hasn't flashed the same quality of power that he did last season, but he's been a steady contributor offensively after a dismal April. The former Oklahoma State slugger has a 921 OPS in May and has a 392 on base percentage this month. He has done most of his damage this year at home, posting an 859 OPS at the Diamond compared to 631 on the road, which is interesting because, as you noted, the Diamond tends to be more of a pitcher's park where – you know, there are some very hitter friendly environments out, out elsewhere in the California. In the Cali- yeah, absolutely. So moving on to strike three last night, Wednesday, the main story for the storm tonight was the return of South Paul and friend of the podcast, Jagger Haynes. Haynes is now closing in on two years post Tommy John surgery and the Padres have been slowly letting go of the reins. He went four innings for the first time on June 7th, but a blister ended that outing and he missed his next start. Appearing after a two week hiatus Wednesday, Haynes again worked into the fourth inning. However, he allowed two of the three batters he faced that inning to reach base before being removed after a career-high 56 pitches. The Padres will try to get innings, get his innings total, which now sits at 21 and a third, up over to 60. And in, in just two, in sorry, in his two June starts, Haynes has only allowed one earned run in seven and a third innings, now has a 3.8 ERA on the year. So, just stay healthy, get your innings in, get your time on the mound, and that's all we really want to see. That's a little interesting hearing an innings limit. Usually you don't hear what the limit is until after the season. Right. So I'm right. a little surprised to hear that there's a target out there for him, but, you know, they put the apple out there and go get it. Absolutely. Okay, so moving on to Fort Wayne. Um, strike three on Thursday, Jackson Merrill went yard again. Uh, that's the first time in his career the damage duo alum hit homers in back-to-back days. Uh even better, he went three for four, opened the game by turning on a breaking ball for a towering homer to right, later adding a double and finishing a triple shy of the cycle in an outstanding outing. The Saverna Park, Maryland native is batting 267 with a 733 OPS as he catches up to a slow start to the season, but is batting an even 300 with an 804 OPS in professional 536 at-bats. The Padres had wanted Merrill to show more pull-side power this season, and he's done that quite a bit. Last year, he was a bit more of a line drive machine, but yeah. a ground ball heavy a little bit, um, so getting to his pull-side is, is good for him. Uh, Edwin Bencomo turned in four innings of scoreless work. The 24-year-old Bencomo is 2-0 with a 5.84 ERA and 12 strikeouts in 24 and two-thirds innings of work in 2023, a season split between Fort Wayne and San Antonio. Alan Mundo tossed two scoreless innings to finish out the game, striking out three batters. Carlos Luis, who went two for five in the designated hitter spot, also left the yard, as did Tin Cap's tank commander, Nathan Martarella. Who went deep in the fourth, now has a team-best 10 home runs this year, which is also tied for most in the Midwest League. Now, Martarella, when he showed up last year, my perception to him was that he was like a line drive, average, like high average kind of a hitter. This year, something's clicked because all of a sudden he's showing some power. And this isn't just like wall scrapers. He's hitting some bombs this year. Yeah, I got to look at the numbers, but I've watched a lot of him as well. And and he's not. He's not selling out for power. Like he'll take what you give him. He'll get it. He'll take a hit if he can get it. He's not, you know, he's not swinging out of his shoes too. He balls in the zone. He's sticking to his approach and he's hitting the ball far. And when he hits it, like, you know, it, cause that swing is violent. And dude, I'm really stoked about this guy. He's really come on strong and doing it in high a and his first full professional season is like, is absolutely amazing. So we'll see as he moves up the system, you know, if he can be uh, certainly a uh, a DH type guy or a first baseman, like later on in, here in the agenda, you know, he scored from first base on a on a on a triple, right? Oh, and he- and so he's got some athleticism to him. Yeah. And a, a week or two ago, we read uh, the Mad Friars interview with him, where he's talking about his approach and all this, and that was something that they touched on. 
you know, because first base DH, you think applauding, you know, lack of athleticism and speed, but he's like, no, man, I've got wheels. He's been playing some left field just to kind of show that I can move. Yeah. And that's huge. So Tuesday, Oh, it's time to put Jared Kohler on the prospect radar. The 24-year-old Kohler pitched six shutout innings and allowed one run on six hits. He struck out five without allowing a walk. Over his last 28 and a third, two-thirds innings, Kohler has walked just one batter while punching out 29. In nine games, that's seven starts, Kohler has a 1.67 ERA to go with a perfect 5-0 record. After going hitless on Saturday night, shortstop Jackson Merrill has put together two consecutive three-hit games. Merrill singled three times and scored a run. I had to make that real short. I, I put it all together this morning right, right, right when I got to work. Um, but we're going to talk more about Merrill because he is just really turning it on right now. Right. Well, I mean, the, what stood out to me right there was the uh, the walk-to-strikeout ratio with Kolar. Um, yeah. I hadn't realized that he's only walked one batter. And I mean, 28 and two-thirds innings, that's, like, that's three full games and then some, uh, while striking out more than a batter in innings. So he's pounding the zone there. It's amazing how much pitching is now showing up. And, like, Kohler wasn't really on a prospect list. You know, it wasn't a big name. Um, like, Iriarte or um, Victor Lazaraga. Like, those guys were, like, big names. You have those two. You have Kohler. Um, yeah, who was the pitching there? And, and Well, and we're going to talk about – I'm going to talk Adam, about Adam Mazur in a second Adam here. Adam Mazur's just tearing it up. Okay, so strike three. Uh, on Wednesday, Donovan put the tank commander label on Nathan Martorella, but the team captain is hot on his heels. Jackson Merrill hit yet another homer. A two-run moonshot in last night's contest. He's got seven tanks on the year. Merrill now has seven extra base hits in the month. That number is noteworthy because it gives him more extra base hits than strikeouts in June. That's insane. Yeah, He's gone 40 plate appearances since his last strikeout on June 10th. How do you hit? How do you hit for power while also avoiding the strikeout that's bananas to me yeah what, what i see with him is he's he's hitting the pitch where it is like like that the the ball he hit out yesterday was a was a knee-high curveball and then later on in that game he got an outside pitch where he just drove it the other way right up the shortstop's head he's not trying to pull everything like if it's on the outside he's letting it get deep in the hitting zone and going with the pitch if it's inside he's turning on it also tells me he's got a good two strike approach because absolutely. Yeah, I have I haven't had a chance to watch him a whole lot, but he must shorten up a little bit to really try to focus on protecting the zone. Okay, so Adam Mazer, the Padres number six prospect, rolled, providing five excellent innings while allowing one solo home run. It was the first long ball he'd allowed all season across 47 innings. His season ERA is down to a measly 1.72. <laughs> Uh, Henry Henry and Ruben Galindo both threw perfect innings after Mazur. Jacob Marcy had a three for four game, including an RBI double. The recent success has boosted his average for the month to 294. If he can continue to make consistent, productive contact, Marcy, who's already in the Midwest League top 10 in walks, OBP, stolen bases, and K rate, will give the tin caps an incredibly dynamic one-two punch at the top of the lineup. And I, I'm going to hang on to what I remembered from spring training. We saw Jacob Marcy a lot in the big league games, yeah. filling in in late innings and that tells me that the organization really likes him and he's going to get opportunities you know as long as he keeps hitting like this yeah he's a pig pen man every time i watch a game his jersey is always dirty so he's love one of those it little, one of those hardball guys yeah little eric owens in him a little bit so let's move on to san antonio now there's a, here's the caveat the missions were in as in amarillo last week and amarillo is a hitter's ballpark so the ball was flying out so take this. We're going to talk about this for a second, though. So last week, Tirso Ornelas was named the Texas League Player of the Week. He hit 520. He had four home runs with 14 RBIs in six games. The kid was absolutely on fire. Now, that's continued into this week, and we'll get to that in a minute. But it's nice to have Tirso start to show the kind of power, the kind of hitting for average, the just all-around power at the plate that we've always hoped he would have. Right. Yeah. He's, he's been one of these baffling guys that when he yeah. first popped onto the scene, I mean, he has the physique and they talk about his bat control and his, his understanding of the strike zone that all this stuff should, should add it, should, should evolve into an yeah. elite hitter. Yeah. Once the skills, once the baseball skills catch up to the raw tools yeah. um, and we keep waiting for that to happen. Well, so now this year, I just pulled it up on fan graphs. His walk rate is up over 14. He's 14 and a half percent. Last year, he was at half that. 
Um, so he's getting twice the walks and he's finally getting into his power. His fly ball rate is jumping. His ground ball rate is finally starting to take a dip. And I think that's kind of been a, a bit of a concern. Like last year, he was putting it on the ground 64% of the time he was producing a ground ball. So now he's got that back down to a reasonable 47%, but he's hitting line drives. He's hitting fly balls. And when he's putting it in the air, uh, his fly balls are leaving the park at a 15% rate, which is pretty darn good at any level. Yeah, I remember going back. God, was it 2018, 2019, where, you know, we went to the Don Welke Classic and it was like, oh, there's that, there, that 16 years old, that's Tirso Ornelas, 16 year old kid at Petco Park, you know, and, and we're just like hushing, like, wow, that's Tirso, that's Tirso. And we go to spring training and he walks by and like the kid is like a Donna. She just ripped and she got that big square jaw. He just exudes baseball player and, and prospect. Um, and he's still young. Look, he's still 23 years old. So he's at, he's been in double A for a year and a half. I think this is his third year in double A. Um, last year was a full year and this year has been a full season. Um, so he's still really, really young. And so I, I still think there's plenty of time for, for Ornelas to be, um, you know, have an impact in the major leagues. If he continues on this trajectory, certainly there, there is time, but at the same time, I believe he's eligible to be a minor, minor league free agent either after this year or after next year. So that clock is ticking for him. Yeah. I think actually this year, wasn't it this year? It, it might be. I don't remember the exact rules, how all that works, but he's been with the organization. Uh, 2017 was his first year in rookie ball. All right. So let's get on to San Antonio strike one Friday for the second straight night. Ripken Reyes connected on a Homer. It was Reyes fourth Homer of the season as the former USD stars amid a breakout at the plate. He leads the Texas league with a 431 on base percentage and an 832 OPS and represents a career high. Tercer Ornelas had three more hits, including the sixth bomb of the year. Ornelas got off to a slow start in April, looked better in May, but has looked like the kind of hitter the Potters envisioned when they signed him way back in 2016 this month. The 23-year-old has a seven-game hitting streak and five multi-hit games in that span. Third baseman Juan Fernandez. Third baseman, Roy, not catcher anymore. (laughs) He's got more athleticism than a catcher. (laughs) That's You know what I mean? Ah. Juan Fernandez had three hits, including the first homer since the Chihuahua's last regular season last year, a last regular game season last year. The catcher turned third baseman hasn't flashed much power, but continually makes contact. This season, he struck out in just over 12% of his plate appearances, and his three-hit night raises batting average to 315. That's fantastic. You know, I can't help but think of him as a catcher because that's what I saw him doing in Fort Wayne. That's what I saw him doing in spring training this year. Uh, but yeah, he plays all over the place. And he, maybe he's got a little bit of Brett Sullivan to him, you know, just whatever you need me to do. I'll, I, I got you. That's the attitude to have. Right. For sure. All right. So moving on to strike two on Saturday, this is the tears or show, I guess. Uh, tears or <laughs> homered for the second straight game is second straight day. And his four of his seven home runs in a month is posting a slash line of three ninety four, four fifty two, six eighty two. on the season. He leads the team in hits, doubles and home runs. His career high in home runs was eight in 2018 with then low A Fort Wayne. It's hard to believe the Tijuana native is still only 23 at seven uh, after debuting at 17 yeah. in 2017. Um, yeah, his his career high was eight home runs. Now he's got nine. So a new career high for him. And we've only just begun. Juan Fernandez, who entered the series with one home run in his last 600 plus plate appearances, stretching back to 2021, connected on his second in as many days. On the season, the 24-year-old's 281-399-418 light line is his best since reaching full season ball in 2018. After slowing down in May with the 235 batting average, Ripken Reyes, age 26, has been red hot in June. After a three-hit game, he has a 340 average and an eye-popping 492 on base percentage in 50 plate appearances. Yeah. So Juan Fernandez, he's getting on base at a 399 clip and he's hitting for a little bit of power. I'm wondering if both of those guys are going to wind up moving up to triple a uh, at some point this season. Tierso saw some time last year. Yeah. Uh, Juan Fernandez, he's moved around a little bit too. I think he saw some time in triple a last year. Uh, both those guys are proven out pretty well right now. Yeah. Well, it's going to, well, we're going to go into it in here in a second, but you wonder if they're going to keep him down because Wednesday for strike three, the missions clinched their first half division title for the second year in a row. Congratulations. Nice. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe they keep him around just to kind of go into the playoffs, but um, they clinched it last night, and it was freaking awesome. 
I was watching the game. I watched most of these games with no sound on. So I'm watching the game. It ended. And all of a sudden, they all kind of go on the field. And in between, like, the line high fives, it kind of get into this celebratory kind of high five and water going. I'm like, what? No, it wasn't a no hitter. What the hell happened? And I looked on Twitter like, oh, they clinched it. So if they're going to the playoffs again, regardless of what happens in the second season. Back to strike three. Everett Contreras pitched in and out of trouble and still didn't allow a run to get the win. He allowed three hits and three walks. The right-hander struck out eight batters and notched his fourth win of the season. Kevin Copps took them out in the sixth inning. Copps pitched a scoreless sixth inning while striking out two batters. Also tying a season high in strikeouts was righty and friend of the podcast, Alec Jacob. The sidewinding righty struck out four and gave up a hit and a hit by pitch over two scoreless frames. In the nine innings this month, Jacob has not given up a run while allowing only seven base runners and striking out 11. Jacob has not allowed a run since May 5 on a span a span of 11 outings and 19 and two-thirds innings. Now, I've been seeing a lot of this, and there's no Jackson Wolf on this one, and I, I had to take it out because he's. I think he pitches tonight. Um, <clears throat> a lot of talk about Jackson Wolf or Alec Jacob getting a call-up. I think that's way premature. I know we're stretching. We really want to talk about bringing some guys up to kind of invigorate some some youth and some you know some consistent pitching. I think it's a bad idea to leave those guys down there. The major league guys got to figure it out. Like they have got to figure it out. Oh yeah, you've got some really good arms out there. They got to be able to get it done. I think part of what's been feeding that is that the team in blue a couple hours up the road they've called up some guys from their double a squad but that's a bit of a different animal and that that Tulsa drillers team is crazy talented I I think it was Kyle Glazer pointed out that they looked at like average velocity across the starting pitching staff and first was the Houston Astros and second was the Tulsa drillers in Uh, all of professional baseball I mean, they've got a ridiculous wealth of strong arms out yeah. there. So the guys in double A, they've got some guys that are doing a really good job. Yeah. They don't quite have the same kind of ceiling. So Alec Jacob, he's a righty. He gets by with deception and guile. He throws from this strange arm slot, like super sidearm. He's got weird motion. So I can see him doing well in a short stint. I have a hard time looking at that profile and seeing you know, a, a long-term major league career. It's hard for somebody to stick like that. Right. Right. And, but, the, but like you said, there is room for him in major league baseball on, in a bullpen in certain situations where if, you know, he puts things together, like I've watched him pitch a lot and that arm action is funky and it does come in weird. There's a lot of movement on the pitching, um, but you're right. I mean, it, it, it had to be consistent. I mean, we just watched Taylor Rogers three days of, of that. Up, up with the uh, the Giants, and he's I mean way more submarine of a guy. Yeah. But you see the ball come out of his hand, and the ball doesn't move. You never see a ball do what that guy can do. Right. It's that kind of thing where it's it's such an odd look. Yeah, absolutely. So for the fourth time in five games, right fielder Terso Ornelas. My name is Terso Ornelas. You're listening to Fire on the Farm podcast. We got to put that in there because he the. Um, Went deep again, dude. He had a home run. So this is last night. He gave him a nine on the nine home runs on the season, which sets a career high before the season's halfway mark. In June, he is hitting 372, 430, 692. That's a 692 would be the highest monthly slugging percentage of his career. His six home runs in June with over a week left, put him just one short of equaling his total across 112 games for all of 2022. So they are in uh, Midland, which, you know, most of the Texas League are very hitter-friendly leagues, but with that hitter-friendly environment, you have much higher competition, and you have all this past, you know, data from him uh, where he just didn't perform. So he is performing. He's starting to put it together, and God, let's hope that that continues, you know, as the season goes on and, like, build on it. Absolutely. So speaking of calling guys up to El Paso, we're moving on to El Paso. Uh, Strike one last Friday, Matt Waldron got hit hard in the first inning, but settled in after that. He allowed a two run double to former pirate Yoshi Tsutsugo in the first part in the first as part of a four run first. After that, Waldron put up zeros until the sixth when Tsutsugo connected for a solo homer. The former Nebraska State hurler walked just one and struck out eight. In 14 games, 12 of them were starts. Waldron has a 7.02 ERA in 66 and two-thirds innings. 
First innings have been a massive issue for Waldron this season. He's allowed 14 runs in the first this year, good for a 10.5 ERA in the opening frame. So they talk about a pitcher finding their release point. Yeah. I got to imagine that's harder for a knuckleball than just about any other pitch. But particularly in the Pacific Coast League, where a lot yep. of those ballparks are dry air with no, like, I think he needs a little moisture in the air for that ball to move a little bit better. Um, there's a lot of altitude in Albuquerque, in um, in Tacoma. Like, there's a lot of places where he pitches in that just aren't friendly to knuckleball pitchers. And, it, you know, it looks like if he can get through a first inning, you know, there there's some potential there that he can make himself into a major league starter and have room somewhere in on a major league team, certainly. Well, let's hope you're right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and I think it, it, it is possible, you know. He's really young. He's pitching for a full season now in, in AAA, and eventually he'll figure it out. Well, so speaking of home runs in a, you know, unlikely home run hitters, Jose Azokar had a pair of singles while hitting fifth in the order. The 27-year-old outfielder pushed his El Paso batting average back up above 300 with the multi-hit night. Azokar has five multi-hit games in June, including a four-hit effort on June 6th. And we will hear more from Mr. Azokar shortly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, God, Sugar, we, you know, that's another player. Like, you love to like the guy because he's fast and he's fun and he's young. But, you know, you got to perform at the major league level and you got to perform at an elite level to be on the, on the, on the squad. Right. And the last couple of weeks, we've seen Tatis get some starts in center field which yeah. tells me that they're getting more comfortable with his defense. I mean, he's performing like a gold glove God. right fielder. My God. It is only, except for, except for when the umpires <laughs> rob him of gutting guys down halfway up the third baseline. Uh, but anyway, Azokar's role was the backup, the backup outfielder, yeah. pinch runner, you know, defensive substitute kind of thing. But if you can slide Tatis over to center field, that opens things up. Now you can use somebody like Rugnet Ordor, who. I'm sure he doesn't grade out very well as an outfielder, but he can get the, he can at least fill the role Absolutely. for a few, you know, uh, on an on an off day, on a on a getaway day, or you know, late innings. You want to get Soto off his feet, um, like they did last night. Uh, so, I'd like to see Azokar get another chance. It's just going to have to take something for that to happen. Yeah. See, isn't it nice to talk about the minor league team? There's so much positivity and it's always about development and, and we don't have to worry about wins or losses or even having a bad outing or even having a crappy first inning. Um, it's all about just the positivity of it and the hope and like, I'm the hope bug, you know, <laughs> I've been watching a lot of uh, human resources. If you guys haven't watched it, it's a Nick Kroll uh, animation show. And um, it, it's kind of a spinoff of another show. Um, God, I forgot the name of that one. I haven't eaten all day. Um, you sound like a freaking hippie over there, like oh Kumbaya my... and sunshine and sunflowers. Well, it, it's much more graphic. Uh, the show Human Resources and Big Mouth is the other one. Very much about teenage sexual drive, and you get the hormone monsters, and then you got the the shame wizard. Um, all these things that go on in teenagers' uh, heads as they get into puberty. Um, great show, but right. I and mean, this is why I find solace in the minor leagues. Like I watch four games. Like I'm not going to watch one today until I get out of here at six, a little after six, I'm going to watch those games and not have to watch the Padre game, or I can watch those games while the big league team is on the big screen. And I can just delve into hope and not watch the hopelessness that's on the big screen. <laughs> that is quickly getting into, it's still early. I'm still early. My my director from work is a Dodger fan, and I haven't seen him since I've come back from surgery. And like I'm a dude, like, and he even said it's early. I'm like, if we're I'm done. I, I was done with early three weeks ago. Like it's not. This is the character of the team, and that's the thing. The first ninety days, first two months, is kind of where the character of the team begins, and that character has been not good. Well, we ditched that talk a while ago. Take us to we strike did. two. Strike two going on to Taylor Callway, friend of the podcast, doubled in a pair to give the home run, a hometown nine, a walk off win. The two run double capped another solid night at the disc for the left hand hitting Callway. He finished with two hits and a walk. Over the last 30 days, the 28 year old Callway is hitting 358, 486, 704 with seven homers, 29 RBIs, and 22 walks and just 12 strikeouts. Now, in is spring training, we were watching what he was doing. And I, we were kind of looking at him like maybe he's got a chance. Lefty bat sprays line drives all over the place. 
plays outfield, first base, can even play a little third if you need him to. I think it's about time they, they give him a shot. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if they do, if, if they DFA uh, Matt Carpenter. Um, I don't think they'll do that with Nelly Cruz. He means too much emotionally, I think, to this team. Well, and Carpenter's um, under contract through for next year too. He's got a player option, so oh, I don't think geez, they're they're moving on from him. Right. Brandon Dixon would be the guy getting bumped to make room for right. somebody like like Colway. Right. Um, and then Colway can only play. You know, he plays first base and a little bit of outfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his one point one nine o OPS over the last month ranked six into the three Triple uh, A circuit. Ryan Weathers made his first outing since being demoted to Triple A and battled command issues en route to a no decision. Weather worked into the fifth inning. Weathers worked into the fifth inning and allowed five earned runs on seven hits, walking six batters and striking out five. The 23-year-old Southpaw threw 95 pitches and just 48 of them for strikes. Catcher Brett Sullivan also had a pair of hits, including his third AAA homer of the season. The catcher has now taken his demotion from the Padres in stride, putting together a 333, 377, 625 slash line in June. And don't expect Weathers to go down to AAA and dominate. Like, there's definitely something going on there with control, um, maybe some velocity issues there, but he'll figure it out. I'm still on the wagon. I think he's more of a bullpen guy than a starter, but, you know, certainly it's going to take some time for him to find it and find his role. To me, he's just got to figure out how to stay away from the center of the strike zone. You know, landing pitches for strikes without – serving him up on a, on a tee. Right. Um, I've, I've seen some analysis suggesting that there may be something he could do with his pitch mix or, you know, this or that, but I mean, he's still young. So that's where you give mm-hmm. the guy some time. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of young guys who still have some time, but feels like he's been around forever on Wednesday, Anderson Espinosa. Oh, I've watched a part of this game. He struck out 12 batters in six innings to set a Chihuahua's 2023 season high. Espinosa came one strikeout short of the tying, tying the Chihuahua's team record for strikeouts in a game by an individual pitcher set previously by Nelson Lament in a home game, also versus Tacoma back in 2017. His fastball, which used to sit in the mid to upper nineties has sat 92 to 94 for most of the season. However, what he lost in velocity, he gained in movement. His fastball, which acts more like a sinker, generated a 34% whiff rate on the night. He combined it with a low 80 slider to keep hitters from making hard contact. So that tells me that the stuff is absolutely there. It's yeah. just when he's when he's not walking the, the park, he can absolutely get it done. So who knows? Maybe he'll get a chance this year. Yeah. And, you know, that's the thing about they talk about once you get to double A, most of those guys can play Major League Baseball. It's the consistency. Like, right. We, we've seen the inconsistency in Anderson since he's come back. Um, sure, he's pretty young in AAA in a hitter's haven, um, but you see flashes of this, and it makes you want to, like, you can still dream on the kid. Yep. The Chihuahua struck out a season-high 17 batters in the win. El Paso's 683 pitching strikeouts lead the Pacific Coast League. Hosea Zokar picked up his third minor league home run of the year as part of a multi-hit game. Um, Tim Lopes also went deep in the game. I was watching the game when both of those home runs happened. uh, And Zokar's was an opposite field kind of a shot. It went into one of the baskets up there in the doghouse. They've got those those balconies kind of like they have at the Western Metal Supply Building. It went up into one of those. And I'm watching it, and it's like, that's not Jose Ozokar. He's not somebody that's going to go oppo taco and, and leave the yard. I want to see him get his first major league home run. It's, it's not going to happen that way. It's yeah. going to be one of those that he absolutely <laughs> turns on and just gets a meatball out over the plate. Uh, the wall scraper, see, right? I want to see him get his first major league home run just to, just to have that ball, put it up on the, on yeah. the shelf. You know, that's something that says I've made it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and, Hopefully that'll happen someday, but you know, we'll, we'll see. And you're right. It's going to be a wall scraper, but hopefully if that ever happens, it's going to be a game winner. It's going to be a crucial time. Um, Cause we like, once again, as Padre fans, we like the nice guys. We like the young guys that are fun and um, not as good as they should be, but you know, we like them and we want them to do well. Well, and you talked about Nabil's teeth. It helps that Jose Zokar has one of the biggest, brightest smiles yeah. you're going to see. Yeah. The guy's face just exudes happiness when he's when he's feeling it. So I, w- I want to see that back at Petco Park one of these days. Absolutely. And one of the things that really, like this, talking about Nabil, like the spring training mini mic stuff was great. You know, every day they had some kind of question. He was grabbing guys and he was interacting with guys. You're like, God, what? 
you know, when other guys are just like, whatever, like, hey, get over here, get over here. Um, Ultimately, that, personality doesn't win baseball games. Exactly. If if Charm won baseball games, you know, I'd probably be a major leaguer myself. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> right. Oh, man. Well, in the meantime, uh, I'm going to try to avoid the doom and gloom of Padres Twitter and hope for the best, continue to hope for the best, put on my clown makeup and, and put a smile on every time. Uh, but we've got the minor leagues to to rejoice in. Yeah. Um, until next week, you can find me on Twitter at Zippy underscore TMS. And you can find me on Twitter at SD Donovan. Till then. Let's, let's go Padres, I hope. Let's go Padres. Let's go Tin Caps. Let's go minor let's leagues. Go, let's go missions. Let's go Chihuahuas. Let's go Storm. Yeah, because for the 619, we'll knock you down. Anything for the Brown, put it on the town. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Baby says she want to go to the game. Taught her how to say Padre gang.